You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Sawn Outdoors Podcast. What is happening, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sawn Outdoors podcast. Uh, man, we've been busy, busy, busy. We've been out setting trail cameras on weekends and throughout the week, on weeknights, after work. Um, I've lost like seven pounds um, just through hiking. <laughs> I started... Uh, uh, doing more cardio exercises at the gym too, because man, I was feeling it on the mountain. And ever since I've, I started running at the gym, um, sometimes I'm even doing two a days, just a little, uh, you know, pride boost there. Uh, <laughs> ever since I've been doing these cardio days at the gym, running on the treadmill, I've, I've felt a huge difference on the mountain. In fact, uh, this last weekend I was able to uh, go down to a limited entry unit in Utah here. Uh, one of my friends drew a limited entry archery bull elk tag, and um, I'm familiar with unit, so I accompanied him down there on the mountain. Uh, we hiked in and set some trail cameras first thing in the morning on a Saturday, um, and man, he, he has not been doing a whole lot of cardio which, I mean, life is crazy for everyone, and so sometimes you can't dedicate a ton of time. He has family and uh, kids, and the, the kids are heavily involved in sports and, and whatnot, so he's between work and, and uh, sporting events for his kids, running them to practice and going to games and all that. He's, he's swamped. So um, where we're hiking um, is around the elevation of 10,000 feet, and... I'll tell you, it's straight up and down in some spots. There's a lot of deadfall, heavy brush and timber. You're weaving through, stepping over. <laughs> it is not easy. Um, and, and when we were hiking out, you know, I was trying to, to take it easy, and he was struggling a little bit. In fact, he ended up throwing up on the hike out, and uh, I was a little worried because we, I had a lot bigger hike planned for later than that afternoon. Um, we went back to camp and, and refueled, had some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches about lunchtime uh, after we ran and grabbed a, a buddy's camera from the previous year. Um, and then we razored clear across the mountain about 20 miles um, and, uh, and hiked into this other area. The hike in was e the easy part. It was steep at the beginning, and then uh, it's mostly just all downhill. Um, it's maybe, I don't know, mile and a half, two miles in. And then uh, we set up one camera where I like to up on this little pass. And then I decided to drop down and, and there's a spring that I discovered there a few years ago and uh, placed a camera on it. And he's like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to have to pass on this spring camera. I'll stay up here and stand guard. I was like, well, perfect, dude. So I dropped in, set the camera, and it was a little bit of a challenge coming back out. You know, my legs were still getting under me. 
with the elevation and the altitude. Uh, this the lowest point we were at in, on this hike was about ten thousand feet, and uh, maybe just over slightly. But hiking back out, it's a gradual climb um, until the last oh I don't know quarter mile, maybe half a mile, and it just goes straight up again. Uh, we gained about another thousand feet in elevation, and we just had to pace it off. 80 to 100 steps at a time, take a two-minute breather, and just keep going. I have this weird gear, you know, that I find, and uh, I, I can get into a groove, you know, and I have to stop and take my breathers, but I can usually get into this groove and just keep grinding it out until um, I, I reach the finish line, until I get back to the truck or what have you. Uh, but he struggled a little bit. And uh, it was a big wake-up call for him, and I think it, it gave him some motivation to be ready for this fall. Uh, archery season here in Utah starts in a, a few short weeks, really. I think we can count weeks now. Um, it's almost July here, and that hunt starts uh, the mid middle of uh, August, so a month and a half, six weeks-ish. I haven't counted it off, but... Anyway, so that's what we've been up to, working, living, trying to get ready for the hunts. Um, on today's episode of the podcast, we sat down with Sydney Smith. Um, if you guys do not know who Sydney Smith is, uh, look him up on Facebook or Instagram. He posts under the handle on Instagram, try, T-R-I, um, I believe, underscore, no feet. Um, Sid is a double amputee. Uh, due to a medical condition he had, um, and he has just embraced it. Rather than letting it slow him down and become his downfall, he has learned to make it a, a strength um, and not a weakness. And uh, he is a highly motivational person. He's very motivating, um, very driven, which I I love, and. Um, that's part of the reason in, in talking to Sid and, and, uh, and reading up and learning more about his life and, and what he's been able to accomplish um, in the few short years that he's been without both of his legs. Um, man, it just gave me a ton of motivation. So I have no excuses. Um, so thanks, Sid. You, you've instilled that in my brain that I have no excuses. Um, I'm my biggest, uh, I guess, obstacle. You know, I can either um, make excuses and tell myself that I don't feel good, I'm tired, I'm hot, I'm hungry, whatever it may be, but uh, only when you have that self-discipline and determination um, and dig deep can you really uncover your your true and full potential. So, um, guys, give this podcast a listen. Um, Go check out Sid on Instagram and Facebook. Follow along on his journey. Uh, the dude is a stud. He's an animal. And uh, while you're at it, leave this podcast a five-star review, if you would, um, on iTunes. Uh, would really appreciate it. Um, without you guys, this podcast would simply just be us sitting down and BSing, <laughs> which is really what it started out as. Um, but you guys give us motivation too by listening to this podcast and giving us the feedback. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, without further ado, 
Here's the podcast. All right. Well, welcome out to another episode of the Sun Outdoors podcast. Um, I'm McCade Cox. I'm Zach Mikesell. And on the phone, we have Sid Smith. Sid, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing great. Doing great. Good, Congrats. man. How are you guys? Not too shabby. It was a long work day today. <laughs> long work day? Come on. What do you do? Construction? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And somebody got up at 4.30 and went to the gym, but we won't name any names. <coughs> I'll pat you on your back later. <laughs> so um, many of you might know uh, and probably have seen if you're on social media at all, um, into the YouTube game, Facebook, Instagram, whatnot. But uh, recently, Mountain Ops released a video um, with uh, an incredible story of about Sid and his journey um, dealing with um, some trials and tribulations and just this incredible strength that Sydney has to overcome these challenges that were thrown at him and, you know, would maybe render most people, I don't know, I don't want to say useless or helpless, but, man, <clears throat> looking at it from my my side, I wonder if I'd be able to do the things that I, I've seen you do, Sid. Oh, that's nonsense. You can do that. (laughs) You know, I'd like to think I could, but, you know, like, I guess you don't really know until you're put into that kind of situation. But um, it was a hugely inspirational video, and um, we we just wanted, we knew we had to get you on this podcast and and kind of talk about it, because you are a huge inspiration. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Sid, uh... I've actually, you know, in physical therapy with some patients, I, I showed them your video uh, just to kind of put things in perspective, not to say that their diagnoses are anything less challenging or, or different things like that, but just to kind of let them know, hey, you can do hard things. Granted, it's going to be a, a heck of a challenge and it's going to be quite the road back, but you can you can do hard things. It's not impossible. It's going to be, you know, a battle each and every day. Each and every decision during the day is going to be a little bit of a battle. Um, so, you know, you inspired some of my patients as well there in physical therapy, whether it was dealing with a, a total knee replacement, a total shoulder replacement or a rotator cuff, or maybe a high school kid who, who you know, blew out their ACL and their sports, you know, high school sports life is over, you know, and they have to kind of deal with that. So. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you doing that video, and you know I hope for some of the listeners that they get a chance, or if they have already seen that video that Mountain Ops did, um, you know it's such an awesome video, and especially the title "How I Conquer." You know mm-hmm. I love that title, and, and it just sets it up perfect. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the the drive behind it. Really, is we wanted to to you know create something that was motivational i you know when when i was approached about doing the film uh with a company called v6 media um i you know i had some ideas of you know what what it was going to be and and really i just wanted it to be you know something that people could view and um look at it that i'm just you know an average joe and there's nothing unique or special about me and uh you know, the message that I'm hoping, you know, people got is that, yeah, you can do hard things, you know, it's not, not life in general isn't easy and it's not fair, 
and some people may seem like they not have any challenges at all, but in reality we all do, and sometimes we're given it for certain reasons, and, and bottom line, we're, I believe that we're put here on this earth to, to overcome those and do the best we can uh, with what we have. And so if people can view that as something, motivation that they could, you know, come over there, overcome their obstacle and, and use that as a strength in their life, then then that was that was kind of the, the goal behind it. Well, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> the whole team okay. nailed it. Uh, Sid, why don't you give us a little background of who you are, where you come from? Tell us about you. Sure. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, um, I'm a Utah boy. Yes. Born and raised in uh, Provo. Uh, the bubble, Happy Valley. Yeah, the bubble. So do you fit into that Happy Valley stereotype? No, no, not, not typically. I guess it depends on what day it is, but uh, uh, no, not not typically. But I did, I guess, follow a lot of that. I went to, to BYU, then I actually went to Idaho, BYU-Idaho for school. Hey, I did too. Um, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. I loved it. That's where I met my wife. And then um, we uh, moved down to Lake Powell. And I managed the resort down on the bullfrog side. Oh my! And, sounds uh, like a terrible life. For about, I know. Yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. I mean, to be out Dude, the outdoors, awesome, and yeah, fishing and houseboats. Yeah, it was good. We uh, we um, uh, decided that uh, it wasn't the best area to raise a family and kids. You know, as they got older with school and stuff like that. And, friends and church and stuff, we wanted to move into a little bigger city. So we decided to take an opportunity to move to Vernal. And so we're on the eastern side, the Uinta Basin, and uh, um, uh, doing doing great. Uh, you know, just a little bit about me, some of the things I like to do. I love to hunt and fish, and um, I uh, love this sport. You know, it's kind of a newfound love is uh, um, triathlons and endurance sports such, such as that and um just finding new adventures things that i like to do mountain climbing uh mountain biking that i couldn't do previous to uh my legs being amputated and and um i guess the obvious is i am a double amputee um i uh lost my legs to a disease called charcoal marie tooth um also known as cmt it's um Pretty much, it's not uh, the disease itself isn't too rare, but the type that I had was was uh, was pretty rare as far as the um, the progression of it. It deformed pretty much my feet um, heavily to the point where they became unfunctional, and, and surgery wasn't really fixing the solution. So now, now what type? Older, was just what type was that, Sid? Was it type one or type two? Uh, it is a uh, type unknown. Type unknown. Hmm. Type unknown. When we first when we first get diagnosed, and they uh, didn't really have so many subtypes to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this type, um, they assume was type one, and then just all these other um, types came about. And so when they did more more blood tests, uh, they came up with a type that they don't didn't fall into either one of the categories. Okay. And some of it is probably because it's not so 
prominent in other areas of my body. It's just mostly in my feet. So, so you categorized you, it and it's unknown. So you've, um, I, you know, I, I kind of brushed up on, on the disease in the last few days and talks about, you know, having numbness working up in your hands and kind of your lower arms. You didn't experience any of that. It's just all been in your lower extremities. Yeah, I didn't, didn't get much of it. I don't, I mean, my hand strength isn't super strong, but like compared to the, how weak my feet were and, and, and compared to how weak my hands were, there it was completely different. Like okay. you wouldn't know. Okay. And so that it was just completely, usually people that I've met with the disease have, have both of some, some type and but mm-hmm. no, my feet were just pretty much withering away. Okay. So you uh, mentioned in the video um, that you were 12 years old when you found out what you had? Yep. Yep. 12, uh, 12 is when it, it, we were pretty obvious that there was something wrong with my parents, especially. So that's when we, we went to a, a foot specialist. Did okay. you, at 12 years old, though, did, I mean, when you found out the diagnosis, did you fully understand and comprehend, like, the severity, the magnitude of what you had? No, 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 not at all. I mean, I knew I was, I had some things that were different about me, but I, I chose to more ignore them at that age. Like it was, you know, something that would go away and that it's just, it's not, not something real. And because it was so minor that it, it you know, I just kind of pushed through it. And as I got older, I still, even in high school, I tried to push through it. I stopped wearing shorts because my legs were, were like chicken chicken legs and so I I tried to hide it and then it didn't really become real to me until I matured and understood kind of what the future could bring if if it got worse and so you know just at, so at a young kid I just I tried to to ignore it just because it felt like it was the easier way to, to deal with it well yeah and at 12 years old that's that's quite a a, a load to get you know Quite the news. Yeah. You know, I when I first started following you, I, I found you through social media. I think uh, Zach Griffith had uh, shouted you out several times and reposted some of your pictures and stuff. So I investigated your your Instagram account and um, also but, known as stalking. <laughs> stalking. Investigated. Yeah, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they call it that anymore. I don't think they call it that anymore. Excuse me, miss. I was only investigating your front door and your bedroom light on. They they call it following now. <laughs> oh, There's cool. a big blue button you push. <laughs> Goodness. But uh, I saw some videos that you posted. Um, uh, you know, I think right before you went in for your amputation, and I was just like, kind of taken away with. Um, the deformities in your feet and I was like holy cow like you know obviously I, I knew that you were a double double amputee at this point so I was going back and seeing some of this footage and I was just like holy cow like that would be like a super hard decision and that you know talking mm-hmm. in that video uh, that Mountain Ops did and you mentioned you you walked through cold grass right oh, before my, yeah. the amputation I was like oh my gosh like small and simple things that you know, we take for granted. And it's like, how would that be to have to make that decision? Like, that's the last time you're ever going to have that feeling. I mean... It is. It's cold grass. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's an amazing feeling. And and for some reason that just stood out to me. And 
they, you know, in my nightgown and everything, I, I just like, Hey, you know, before, you know, in the waiting room and they, sh- they shave all the hair off the, the part that they're going to amputate. And, and before they gave me the, uh, the medicine to knock me out, um, I'm like, all right, hold on. Let's just go down the hall and there's a little, you know, walking area. And I just want to walk on the grass just for a second. And that was, mm-hmm. and they were cool with it. They, they, I don't know if they deal with that all the time, but I just, for some reason I knew it was the last time and I had to, had to feel it. So. Wow. That, just that there, you know, puts things in perspective as far as it's just people don't know, you know, what you have in life until it's gone. Right. Yeah. Or it's in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah. So explain yeah, to us. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, you're, just add on, yeah, you, you definitely, things like this or, or any anybody that's been in a scenario like this, you appreciate more of the things you have in life. So whether it be, you know, life itself or, or body parts or people, relationships, so. Yeah. So, like, how did, that had to be a very scary time. Like, I can't even imagine, I'm assuming here, but, like, how did you conquer that fear of the unknown? Yeah, yeah, fear, fear was definitely. I mean, it. I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. It, it, it got a hold of me pretty, pretty, pretty good. Like it, bottom, you know, just, just exactly of the unknown, and that there was a lot of factors that I felt pressured on in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, such as, you know, being a father and, and having a job and, 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 uh, you know, the expenses of a medical, uh, you know, whether I'm going to walk and do things that I like or, or just, you know, keep a job or how I'm going to deal with it mentally, you know, all those things, I didn't have a support as far as someone that I knew that's gone through this process. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was just, you know, you know, prayer and, and, and holding on to an answer that that I felt that things were going to be okay. Um, however, you know, that fear was kind of holding me back from wanting to progress, even not before the decision, but even after the decision, going through the motions that, yeah. you know, I wasn't really moving forward in life because the fear was literally holding me back and I didn't want to try because I was afraid it was going to hurt or I was afraid that I was going to fail or I didn't fall, make it worse. Um, and so, yeah, fear, fear is definitely, you know, as I learned through the whole process, even today that, and what I've done now, you know, races and, and, and hunting and hiking and doing all these things, um, that the disability wasn't isn't necessarily the prosthetics or missing the limbs it's it was the fear right now Sid talking about that fear and the fear holding you back was there a specific moment or maybe you know many moments that led up to you being able to overcome that fear that said you know what this is dumb I'm going to be better than this. I'm not going to let this hold me back. I'm going to overcome this. Was there a deciding moment or, like I said, multiple moments that led up to that? Um, 
Yeah, the, the, I mean, initially the decision, there was a deciding moment, you know, something that was, uh, you know, prayed about, meditated, you know, weighed out the options, talked about it with my wife, and that, that ultimate decision was, was you know, I, you know, I, I can either keep them or lose them. There's no in between. There's no going back. And so going in head first was an initial drive, but through the process of, you know, getting myself up and moving and progressing and, and wearing the leg and, and trying going through the pain and all that stuff. It was just a, uh, just a steady push. Um, I accepted the fact that there's going to be days that are not, um, going to be great. Um, and that there'll be bumps in the road and there'll be setbacks. And once I accepted that there, there will be failures. Um, I just, Say, all right every morning you know exercise is really was what uh in the in the physical therapy and all that process is what got me to the to each each level i just told myself every morning this is my new lifestyle um and change you know the way i eat the way i do things um i'm going to use physical fitness as a staple in my life and you know seeing other amputees running uh, was motivation that, hey, maybe this is something I could do, uh, making the personal goal in the hospital that I was going to do the Ironman. Um, it's, it's an endurance sport, and just as an endurance sport, so you just have to start somewhere. And so I think to that push through that fear, um, bottom line was just a steady, you know, one or two steps forward and maybe a couple steps back or one step back in the next day, just a little bit further, a little bit further, and a little bit further. That's awesome. So you kind of like took it a day at a time. Yeah, really. And it's a, it's like they say, how do you eat an elephant? You just take <laughs> one bite at a time. <clears throat> Problems always seem, you know, so overwhelming, especially, yeah. you know, something of that magnitude, <clears throat> losing your legs. Um, and yeah, you, you have to tackle it just, a piece at a time where it can consume you in fear oh, yeah. and you know, the unknown, what if, what if, like you said, what if I fail? What if, you know, I don't, I can't keep a job. What if, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, I think not even trying is, is a bigger failure than trying and failing just because, you know, you never know how far you can go unless you, you get yourself up to the, to the, to the plate. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so tell us about a little bit more about your amputations. Um, where, where did the amputations occur? Um, they occurred in Provo. Um, and, and it just, that's, it was my doctor that I dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they, they did one at a time first, um, and then the first one had some problems. They had got some infections a little down the road, and so um, we made the decision to do them both. Uh, we, the doctor wanted to go in and, and amputate a little higher on one foot, and we just decided at that point we're, we were done with surgeries and, and that whole process, so we did them both at the same time. Um, and uh yeah they I feel like that's a decision I would have made too. <laughs> like yeah. holy cow. Like so this is not even close to having my legs amputated, but I how I met Zach, interestingly enough, I had both of my knees operated on uh two winters ago 
Um, and I did them a week apart because of that same reason. I was like, I do not want to sit here and suffer through all this and then have to, as soon as I get healed, do another one and have all this, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, I'd rather be like not able to walk for two months or something than sit here and do that process and heal and then do it all over again. Yeah. I can relate no, on the I mental agree. side of that decision. <laughs> Yeah, and the reason why I wanted to to do the one first is that I, I still needed to go to work, and I didn't want yeah. to be a burden to people to a little take more, me to work every day. A little so more functional that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, are they below the knee amputations or above the knee? Uh, below. Okay, cool. Thank goodness. So. Can, can you explain that to me a little bit more, Sid? Like, I was asking Zach a little bit about this before we started the podcast. I'm like, so like, do they like kind of like make, like cut a little bit more of the bone off and then like kind of fold the skin over. So there's some cushion there. Like there was this bone, like right on the skin. Like how does that all work? That's a good question. Um, That uh, the, the amputation normally like a diabetic or, or, you know, trauma is just a standard amputation where they cut through the tibia and fibia and then they, they to use the tissue or sometimes there's not enough and they need to do a graft and they go wrap it underneath mm-hmm. the bone. Um, and in my case, because I was young and active um, and I wanted to run, my doctor knew my activity and desire. He did a procedure called the Ertl procedure. What mm-hmm. it is is that it took a cadaver bone and grafted uh, a bridge between the tibia and fibia wow. and built kind of like a bridge in, in the platform, um, almost like a imitation of a heel bone. Mm-hmm. And, and then he took, you know, skin and muscle and tissue and then wrapped it underneath it and then um, did stitches over the top. Um, and he did, he did that with both of them and, and, uh, and it's it's a it's a popular it's not a popular amputation because it's the procedure to do it's about two hours in the surgery room where standard amputation is about forty five minutes. Wow. So he he was kind enough to do this for me. That's cool. Even though if he did it the other way, I still probably would run. It's just that there's different ways of wearing prosthetics now mm-hmm. because I have that. I because I had that now I have the potential that I could walk on my stumps if I that is i have not heard or seen the word or anything of the earl procedure since my national exam until now and i instantly brought it back i was like oh yeah i know what that (laughs) procedure is so that's interesting and and you know there's so much you know talking about diabetic ulcers and people who normally get amputations um you know, once you have an amputation, there's so much stuff that I don't think people realize as far as skin care and mm-hmm. to prevent, you know, pressure ulcers and things like that. And then you have your phantom pain that you have to deal with and kind mm-hmm. of work through a little bit. So just real quick, and this might be, you know, boring to some, but for myself, you know, what <laughs> what are some of the things you have to do every morning and every night in order for the health of your legs to remain healthy. No, that's a good that's a good question. Um, it it depends on what I'm doing. Um, uh, more than likely, because I'm active and I'm working out in the morning, um, your body 
you know, it sweats. And so inside the sockets, because it's so warm, there's no breeze, you know, it doesn't, the air doesn't breathe through the carbon fiber, um, it's going to sweat even more. And when it sweats so much, and, and if I have to clean it regularly, you know, just like stinky feet, the stumps can get stinky too. Mm-hmm. And so by cleaning it, though, then more likely I'm not going to have any bacteria or any problems on my stump. If that did happen, and it's you know it's possible, and there's some cases where, you know, I got like an ingrown hair, and then it it became you know very painful. Um, because the pressure was right there on the ingrown hair. If it's not taken care of, then it could lead to other things like infection. Um, When I was wearing sleeves, it would get so hot that the skin would start to get, uh, uh, would get heat, heat, so much heat to it. So I'd caught, I get all kinds of heat rashes. Um, So I try to clean it. I try to make sure that they're, you know, that it's moisturized, make sure it's not drier, you know, just to, do some inspections to make sure I'm not having any spots that might show up blister-wise. Um, uh, when I run, I try to, to, to prep my stumps so that way that there's certain areas that are um, are tighter than others. I'm not having too much movement. Um, I wear sweat socks to help absorb the sweat because if I'm running or active and my limbs get sweaty, it can cause a rash, irritation, or the limbs, the sockets can actually slide off if I'm not careful. Um, and I use socks to fill up the volume. So when I sweat, I lose volume. And when I lose volume, I lose the shape. And then if the shape's not perfect, then the prosthetic hurts to wear. So how does, how does the prosthetic, um, attach to your stumps? Uh, there's, there's, they call it a a, a suspension is is how they, how they do that. But there, there's, there's multiple ways. Everybody's different and there's different preferences. I've had two different ways. I had a vacuum mm-hmm. seal and then I have a suction seal uh, or seal and seal. And that's what I prefer is a seal and seal. Uh, just because with hunting, the vacuums require batteries. I don't want that. Or I oh, wow. were to bump it or I lose the seal, then I lose the, the option to keep the leg on tight. So I it just use a seal and it's not as comfortable, but it's easier to maintain and it's easier to get my legs on in the morning. Wow! So you were when you were using the the sleeves. Now that was that's the transition period, right? As you're trying to get used to getting to the point where you can tolerate a prosthetic completely on on your limb, right? Do you go from the sleeves to being able to bear it with the other one? I can't. I'm trying to remember back to my my clinicals, but. What is what's the prog the progression I should say from yeah they they have they start off with a test socket and you you lose volume rather quickly at the very beginning like my stump is huge because of all the 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 liquid the scar tissue just yeah. being inflamed and everything yeah they and have to, just the they have more to I wear it, it the more it's shrunk and so I get more and more socks and more socks and then pretty pretty soon if you have so many socks in your socket it's going to cause problems to your limb because it's not a tight fit. So then they go in and they make another fitting and then they do the same process again and your limb shrinks even more and they do another one. Then they finally have a uh, final fit, which is the carbon fiber. And uh, at that point, um, it's, it's, it's a tight fit. And then usually a suspension is determined whether it be a pin lock, like it locks into a pin and it holds on to your leg mm-hmm. through a, a liner. And then, or there's just a sleeve that just attaches to my thigh, 
and then there's the ceiling or vacuum that just kind of holds it all together. Yeah. Okay. So what 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 is that? You know, talking about hunting. Now, obviously, you 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 mentioned in that video that Mountain Ops did um, about how there were certain challenges before you decided to have both limbs amputated, and then there were rewarding aspects of of choosing that decision pertaining to hunting, but also some challenges. Can you just talk about that a little bit as far as how you have to hunt now or or how you've been freed up a little bit more hunting since you've had surgery? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, I like talking about hunting, so I apologize. That's why we're here. (laughs) That is why we're here. Sometimes I'm, I apologize to everybody because I want to know more about the medical side of things. So yeah, you know, no, it was very interesting. You guys, I assume you guys like hunting too, so <laughs> oh, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, before it was, I mean, hunting was always like a a family tradition. I mean, it was especially deer hunting, southern Utah. It's for my dad and his my uncles, cousins, all that. They lived down there. So that was like the big deal. You know, we talk about it around every Thanksgiving or when any time we get together. Uh, but it wasn't like the way hunting is now. Um, you know, the whole trail cameras and shed hunting and that whole training to hunt stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that ever, that just kind of turned into a big, a big thing. Um, so, uh, I got into long range hunting, uh, when I, you know, at, during college and after college. And it just was something I got hooked into because it benefited me, uh, to shoot, you know, seven, 800 yards, you know, because of, my feet I couldn't hike and I had brothers that were perfectly capable and so they kind of did a lot of the work and I reaped the reward mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it, it it was exciting um, and I've always wanted to bow hunt because of the benefits of um, you know I, I you know just being away from people and seeing more games and the, the mental aspect of it and I tried it you know it wasn't I, I had a hard time just physically getting out there and and so I, I uh, kept falling back to long range hunting and, and so forth. And um, it wasn't until actually I lost my legs and, and that I picked up the bow again. Well, I never really dropped it, but to take it serious that I, that I am now. And um, I've been able to get in the mountains more, hike better, um, go longer with less pain. And get to places I've always thought, oh crap, I'd love to go over that next ridge or the next ridge, but I'll try and I end up going maybe halfway down the hill. I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. Hmm. Where now I have no problem going that far and, and, and I like to, you know, push other people to go with me and, and, and test their limits too. So, um, especially with bow hunting, that's been, you know, a, a push because there's a lot of things I've gained from my surgery and my experience about the challenges and the mental concentration to focus on a goal. And it's benefited me, especially in, in, in archery and or in hunting in general, that, uh, that I could, um, keep that mental strength into, um, into hunting. And so it's just kind of been a huge passion. Now triathlon is just, it's, it's something that I, that I, I have certain goals and passions in that. And I like to do it. But, you know, once fall hits, I, I back off and, and, uh, or late summer, I back off and, and focus heavily on hunting. So. Man, just the, 
trying to go over the next ridge statement, you know, I mean, obviously that has a different meaning to you than to people who've always had full function of their feet and lower extremities that can go. And obviously there's tons of people out there that have never had that opportunity. And, and, you know, me and McCade talk about it all the time. We'll go on our hikes or we'll pack water in and you get up to a high spot and you're like, I wonder how many people have really seen what we're seeing right now or have stepped foot where we've been. And, you know, in the physical therapy world, I had a, I had a certain patient last year. He was an older, you know, old cowboy kind of rough around the edges, but you know, he just spoke his mind, told you how it is. And he's like, you know what? He said, there's a lot of people on this earth that are blessed with a full functioning body, but they decide to destroy it. They decide to drink until they're too drunk to walk. They decide to eat until they're too fat to walk. And he says, and they will never, ever, ever get their butts up on the mountain and see some of the vistas that only a handful of us get to see. And most of the time, the reason is because of lack of mental fortitude or the lack of discipline in the kitchen, different kinds of things. And, you know, lifestyle choices. Yeah, lifestyle choices. When they do, they have full control of that. And then to talk with you, Sid, about how now, you know, yours was something out of your control, but how you've taken a negative thing and how it's actually opened up a few more doors and how you have that desire and that, you know, discipline to say, hey, I got to, I'm going to get there and I want to, you know, push other people to get there. That's, that's awesome for you to say that. Well, thank you. No, it's, it's definitely been, you know, this, this life, I guess it's safe to say this is a life changing experience for me, Mm -hmm. Um, but it it worked out in the positive and and I could have chose for it to not. Very easily. Uh, But ultimately, ultimately it's, you know, I feel happy on my decision and, and, you know, I would choose it a hundred times and, and then the experiences that I learned from it, I definitely wouldn't give it back. Like I wouldn't, you know, given an opportunity to pick pick a different life, I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, losing my legs was actually a bonus. And, um, and I, you know, it, it, it does bother me when I hear people, even friends that say they, you know, I, I can't do what you're doing or they always question why I do things like why, why do you have to go run, you know, a marathon? Why do you have to go? You really have, you have people that say that to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. They they, they think, they think that something happened in the surgery where I kind of gone a little crazy, but, and it's hard to explain. It's, it's, I mean, I get it because it's like, who wants to get up at four in the morning and go run at 10 degrees, you know, 10 degrees outside. But I, I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, if, if you guys were automatically given a pair of wings, yeah. and, you know, you probably want to fly all day long. And that's just how it is for me. I, I, all I want to do is run and hike and, and hunt and, 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 and bike because I couldn't do it before. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe there's people who can't make that connection, you know, just yeah. be like, uh-huh. well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, how, holy cow, I can't, I can't believe that. That's just insane to me. Well, it, it's so easy for for the human mind to just be like to quit, right? Like there, you t- you hear about the the Navy SEALs and how they talk about how we only use you know like what forty percent of our brain's capacity, like it limits us in everything that we do. And if you can tap into that extra sixty percent, like you'll blow yourself away at what you're capable of. And oh, it's yeah. 
it's like i mean you've you've totally tapped into that 60% and you know i mean there there's so many things that are hard and then you end up pushing through and grinding and then like you're so happy you d- you did it like with me it's it's been hiking for me like you know i remember going out hiking as a boy scout and i had asthma and it was like that made it not fun but it was like it was hard like it's hot you're sweating you're going up this really steep mountain you're slipping you know it was there's nothing really enjoyable i don't think about hiking up a mountain hmm. but you through pushing through and like pushing yourself um having like some self discipline and determination and that like setting these goals and achieving them and you get to the top of the summit like Zach says and you're seeing these views and it's like holy cow like this is actually pretty incredible it is it is it's addicting and it's emotional too cuz emotional you think like about that. the times you could have quit and and I mean same with in you know races or harvesting an animal I mean that I mean or or you know just getting up and and achieving a goal of going to the gym and hitting certain PRs or, or losing weight. I mean, all those, all those things are really what, what's uh, a good drive that we need to have. Like that's, you know, it, it, those are gifts and opportunities that sometimes people don't even, don't even want to look at. So. Well, I, I, uh, I recently just got put into, um, the young men's in, in the LDS church, we have mutual for younger people and, and young men's, that's what I'm over. And, um, the, the member of our bishopric that called me to the position was like, you know what, we're putting you in here with these two other guys because one is a retired Marine. One is a, a guy who likes to push himself. And he's like, can you like the outdoors and you do hard things? And he says, the kids today in this world, do not do anything hard. If it requires any kind of effort, they're done. They're not motivated. They want everything mm-hmm. right now. And it was kind of interesting to just kind of hear him say that. And and it does. It kind of ticks me off that there's a lot of people, and not just kids, there's a lot of people in this world, and I don't know if it's the society that we live in, but we want things so instantaneously, right? We don't want to work for things. We want, you know, when it comes to losing weight, it's, oh, man. I've been dieting for two weeks, and I've been running every day for two weeks, and I have only lost four pounds. Where's my six-pack? results. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Sid, you going through what you've gone through, I mean, heck, you are running. Like, for me to think of myself running a triathlon right now, like, I ran 12 miles the other day on, a, like, trail running, and it took every fiber of my brain, I felt like, to continue. You know, like, no. Nope, just another 500 yards. No, nope, just another 500 yards until I finally said, okay, I reached my goal. But to me, I was mentally and physically drained because it took everything I had to achieve that. And for you to go from laying in a bed, trying to avoid putting pillows underneath your knees so you wouldn't you know, have contractures of the hamstrings or anything to, hey, now I'm mm-hmm. swimming, to now I'm running, like you said, 100 feet to a few hundred yards to a mile to now you're doing triathlons that blows my mind like what what can you i mean is there a point when you felt like you tapped into or what is it that you tapped into that allowed you to get to that point please share the secret because i want to know because <laughs> it's awesome i want to do that i mean i'm proud of my progress so far but obviously it's a it's a it's a progress you have to work at it but what 
What was it for you? What was it? Is One it just, day at a time. Yeah, that's, that's what you said. That's what yeah, I said. True. <laughs> that's true. No, it one one day at a time is is you know probably the, the 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 blanket answer to that. But I think you know accepting that you're going to fail at it mm. a couple times. Yeah. Um, perfect. But when you when you fall, you just got to you, you got to be able to fall in progression or fall forward. Yeah. Um, because when you get back up, you learn, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it is, a, you know, a step back, but you, you keep progressing. Is it okay and to fail? Just, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it's, 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 it, 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 I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do the things if it wasn't for the failures. It, it really just comes down to, no matter what happens, accepting that you're going to fail at it repeatedly, um, and event and, and just keep pushing until you get that success. Once you get a little taste of that, it, it, it you kind of get the idea. Okay. Now I know what, why that, why that is, you know, running was, has been the, the largest challenge. I mean, even now I look at it as, you know, I think, you know, as I'm staring down at a marathon, I remember I did my first half marathon about killed me. And I thought there is no way in hell that I'm going to be able to do this twice. And now I look at it now I'm ready to go. And well, not, not right now, right now, because I, I injured myself, but I will eventually get to that point. And so it's just, it's just something that is again, even to this point, I'm learning more about myself that, you know, you are more, you have more capability than what you think. And once you think you got, you figure out how far you can go, you're wrong. You still have way more. Yeah. And I think failure, like you said, as long as you are willing to accept the failure and pick yourself back up and try again, like you mentioned in the beginning, I think it is character defining and character building. Yeah. It's a crucial piece of building one's character is to, Accept failure and try again. Like pick yourself up and move on. Yeah. That's that's very true. Sid, as you've gone along this this journey, and I would, you know, probably safe to say that it's been a you know, a physical and emotional and a spiritual journey, who is it that you've looked up to along this journey? I I mean from from myself, like you know, I've, been, I've never been a runner, and I just started running, you know, mainly because I have to use hunting as my motivation because I I can't run to look good. Like, that's not my motivation. I have to have an end goal, you know, and so I'm like, I'm going to trail run so I can hunt harder and, and longer. And, my, you know, I've watched a lot of motivational movies on, on running and different things like that, and, uh, you know, really inspirational. But who is it that maybe you've kind of grasped onto to look up to or to use as your motivation for, you know, helping you get to this part of your journey where you're at now and, and for the future? That's, that's a good question. I, I don't have a single individual that is the number one. Well, there, there is one individual. Um, but, uh, the, uh, as far as there are lots of people that I've met, um, in the endurance community, um, other triathletes, you know, Scott Rigsby is the first double amputee to do a, uh, an Ironman, um, uh, in Kona. Um, there's, a 
Daryl Farrell. He's a field amputee that's done the Boston Marathon. There's other uh, amputees that have, have reached that point. Um, I have a coach uh, in the hunting world, you know, guys guys in the uh, social media that uh, I follow, Zach, Griff, you know, Zach Griffith, uh, Cameron Haynes, you know, some of those guys that are into the lifting and running and shooting type of thing. Um, they've been motivation, but ultimately the drive has been, you know, can I, you know, be a good example, you know, or, or to, to my kids, you know, can I show to my kids that, you know, I, I can do hard things no matter what obstacles you might see. If If I could show that to them, you know, they're going to see that and use that to make themselves better. Um, my wife is also a huge portion. Um, you know, is it, is it, uh, in the, um, film, I talk briefly about it, but really she, she was my cornerstone. I mean, for her to take care of a, you know, a dude that's missing his legs and can't get around and was virtually no help. And we had three kids and one on the way. It's just, <laughs> it was a, more than anyone, anything I can ask for. And so she stuck with me and, and, and took care of me and, uh, it was a huge support. Um, and then, you know, ultimately the, the number one drive is, you know, I, I look at Jesus Christ being that, you know, my belief is that he suffered through everything that we've gone through and he knows everything that we've, uh, dealt with physically, emotionally, mentally, and, uh, he, uh, understands it. And um, to know what, have someone that you, you can have the capability of being close to, uh, know what you're going through is, is, is very motivating. Um, and um, uh, and, and it's, it's a huge bonus. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Amen. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, you know, it is, when you're going through something hard, you always have people say, hey, man, I'm sorry, or, or you even have people who might not understand what they're saying, but they'll say, hey, I, I kind of know what you're going through. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there's certain things where people can, they can, they can um, seriously um, empathize. Um, but most of the time, people can only sympathize with you. And uh, it's nice to know that, yeah, when it comes to, you know, the great creator of everything that we know, that he's experienced what we've done, what we've experienced to know that he's the ultimate empathizer. That's nice to know you have somewhere to turn for, for comfort, for, for that peace of mind. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. You know, there's always someone that has it worse and he's, 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 he's going to be the one that will always be there, you know, so you don't have to do it alone. That that is one thing that you can do. I mean, I, I, I was blessed to have a great support team. Um, to get me through a lot of this and, and there's even, you know, I'm anticipating that there's going to be problems You know, I just had a problem that, uh, uh, you know, that put me out of, uh, my goal for doing my first marathon. It, it, uh, pushed, it pushed it back where I couldn't do it. So, you know, it was a downer, but, oh, you know, it, it's just a bump in the road and I'm learning to get used to these kind of, uh, setbacks. And, um, uh, you know, I, I guess I have a great, great team that's able to, to keep me going i think we're gonna have to have your wife on a future podcast sid <laughs> talk about her yeah <laughs> she sounds like an incredibly strong woman 
Good luck. She'll probably tell you all my darkest secrets. Like, oh, he's, he, you think he's amazing? He's lazy. He barks. He leaves his dirty clothes on the floor. So she'll probably tell you all the. You're just a man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't uh, let him fool you. Don't let him try to get win you over. He's he's just he's just Sid. So Sid, what you mentioned there um, a couple times about an injury you recently suffered. What happened there? Oh, I, uh, we went on vacation, um, uh, we, from a marathon, uh, we decided to go to California to take a break and family vacation, go to Disneyland. But I took some of my youngest kids, um, they'd never seen the ocean. So we went there, and, um, just played in the water and, um, I had a boogie board and surfboard and we thought, I thought, oh, I'll give it a try. So we rode a couple waves and one of the waves I ended up uh, falling off the board and landing directly on the bottom of my stump on the ocean floor and oh. hit a rock of, or something. On, I couldn't tell because of, of the crash, but um, it was enough that I couldn't put my leg back on for a while, and then I couldn't walk on it for a few days, and it became right before the race where I was like, there's no way. I oh, can't man. even walk. How am I supposed to go 26 miles? Yeah. So I decided to postpone it, and uh, this week I'm getting x-rays done just to double-check, and and I'm walking now, which is a good sign. So hopefully it was just a tissue bruise. If it was a bone bruise, it'd probably be a little bit longer wait, but more than likely it's going to be good, positive vibes, hopefully, and uh, get back to running, and hopefully didn't lose too much endurance where I can do a marathon here. I'm looking at one in Salt Lake on the – 24th of July. There you go. Awesome. Well, you'll have to definitely keep us posted um, and come cheer you on. We're right here in your Salt Lake. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. We'll even uh, paint our chests if well, that's uh, good or bad. Uh, speak for yourself. Okay. <laughs> I'll cheer you on. Somebody's see. insecure. Somebody <laughs> hasn't been working to get ready for this hunting season, apparently. <laughs> uh, no, in fact, I, I've... Zach saw me yesterday at the gym on the treadmill. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like... McCade doesn't run. I'm like, freaking he, Sid is freaking run. motivating the heck out of me. There's no reason why I can't do this. Look at what Sid's <laughs> doing. So, dude, you you motivated me just even last night to, to run a couple miles on the treadmill. Sid, does that, oh, ever, does that ever get... I don't want to say annoying. I don't know the correct way to phrase that, but does it ever get kind of annoying of people just saying hey you know you inspired me or hey you're so motivational like do you ever get to a point where you you still i mean and i mean i'm not sure do you still get to a point where you're like you know you have those moments of why why did this happen to me dang it you know poor me like yeah cool i'm glad i'm inspiring you but i'm i'm feeling kind of bad right now kind of thing do you ever have those moments and and if so how do you get yourself out of that funk uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it, those moments are become, they, they, they do happen. Um, as far as, you know, getting frustrated, um, I don't as much look at life like I did at one point in my darkest time that, you know, the why, woe is me? Why, why is this happening as mm-hmm. much? Um, but when I was struggling, um, I, you know, motivation was something, I think a lot of us do the same thing, is we try to look for something that will get us out of this rut, and we'll grab onto anything. 
Um, and there's times that I would latch on to others that were inspiring to me. And, um, and I was grateful for that. I was grateful to talk to people that have gone through hard things. And um, I've talked to people that have gone through things that are harder than that I've gone through. Um, so when I hear people say, Oh, you're inspiring me, that, that doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't get old. Um, because it, and I, I remember what it was like when I was needing motivation and the fact that I'm, when I hear that and I'm helping other people, it actually boosts my confidence to keep pushing. You know, I, it, the, the, you know, my wife tells me, you know, you're going to feel like you're pressured to do all these amazing things to inspire other people. You need to be careful. Um, and I agree with her on to a point, but you know, really it, inspiration is ultimately needs to be a positive thing and positivity can be infectious when you surround other people that have that same mindset. Uh, it, you just build each other. I mean, there's, there's lots of people even now that uh, I've, I've, that are a huge inspiration to me that I keep, uh, keeping my tabs and, and prayers. And so they, it, it, it's kind of a team, team effort. Cool. Well said. Yeah. Wow. And that's awesome because I've, you know, the people that I've talked to and I, I've had a little bit of experience with people who've experienced, a, you know, a single leg amputee, but mainly I, I had more experience with people who, you know, had a, a C5, C6 spinal injury, you know, and, and were uh, quadriplegic and they had to, you know, deal with, with that, you know, mental side of things. And, and it always amazed me, you know, how how the majority of those people had like a, they did, they just did, they had a positive outlook. And obviously I'm seeing them in public or I'm seeing them in a moment where they're having a good day. Um, but you know, sometimes in the hospital, you know, I'd, I'd catch them on a bad day, you know, I'd be, Hey, sorry, you know, we, we've got to do this passive range of motion to, in order to keep, you know, things loose or whatever. But for mm-hmm. the most part, they, they had a positive outlook and, and I've always thought, I'm like, you know what? that that old adage that old saying of you know god won't give you anything you can't handle um kind of thing i'm like man like when i would meet these people and these individuals i'm like you know what like this person not to say like i'm glad this happened to you but it's like you have the mental strength to withstand this and obviously you you do you like you said you know you you were there where you have those darkest of times but I, you know, not to get too religious, but I think God, you know, knows obviously those individuals that, hey, if this were to happen, they'd be all right. As long as they rely on their faith and they have a, a good support system. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going no, with I, that, but I said a lot there. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I agree. That's, uh, yeah, you just, those type of people still, I mean, it's, I think it's okay to have, let yourself have a bad day from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, the, the ones that I, and I've met a few that will take that bad day and then they'll turn that into a bad week, a bad month. And then pretty much they, they are so used to that. that it'll become a bad life. Um, and, and there, there's some days that have bad days and I'll be honest, You're human, I'm not right? perfect. But, uh, yeah, I just got to focus on, you know, the next day and it's a fresh start. And, and I can, you know, ultimately it's my choice 
how my story is played out, like how how my book is written in life, and, and uh, I, I am the author of how those things are are, are going. Um, and I a lot of it, you know, I can choose whether that uh, I can be angry and make bad decisions and, and turn to alcohol or something on those lines of an escape, or I could um, turn my life and, and, and to make it a positive um, experience and, um, and, and enjoy the moments that I have left on this earth. I think you said it very well. We all have a choice, um, and it, it all comes down to like our attitude, right? Um, and that, yeah, yeah. that it, I like to take it back to hunting, man. I if you're you're having a bad attitude on the mountain, that you're gonna be have a miserable experience because hun, hunts are very seldom easy, especially if you're hiking oh, into yeah. the backcountry or something. And oh yeah, you know if you let well let kind of like a failed stock or you know, whatever, you forgot your favorite candy bar at the truck or whatever it may be. You let that, you know, eat at you and you entertain that, man, you can, like you said, you could ruin your whole week, your whole hunting trip, you know, and you could bring other people oh, yeah. down. Like the power of the mind is so incredible. There's been lots of success I've had by coming off of something that, you know, cause, cause when you're in, out hunting and something happens poorly. I mean, there, there, there. I, I mean, I had a couple times where I'm like, you know, f this, I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna go home. Yeah. So I go home, I miss it. But there's times <laughs> I push through it, and literally, it amazes me, amazes me how many times. I would say more. I've had more success than failures in this in, in hunting, where I go and I push through it and I go into the very last minute. Sometimes on the last day of the hunt, yeah, it's just it's it's amazing. That's it's like the I don't know what it is. There's something, you know, or hunting hunting on the way back to the truck. I don't know. It's like just karma or something. That last minute, so yeah. Uh, but you're you're never gonna know if you quit and give up. You're never gonna know what could have been, right? Yeah. What if? What if? You never know. That's true. Well, that's but, how I feel too. If you're if you're having a bad day and you're kind of ticked off on the mountain and you're like, that's it. I can't wait to get off the mountain. I'm shooting the first thing that I see. Um, in fact, my dad has a good friend who had that ex same exact experience up in Wyoming. And he just kind of got up there, had a flat tire along the way. Um, for something else was forgotten, and he just kind of... And he was like a big, like, he went into the back country. And this is back in the 90s. And he, he gets up there, and sure enough, he shoots the first buck he sees. And while he's cleaning the buck, you know who walks out from the grove of aspens about 150 yards away? Popeye. Popeye the buck. The 40-inch oh, no. wide Popeye like, that nobody oh, no. could never find on the mountain during the hunt. He's always a winter <laughs> range deer. And he, he thought he knew where Popeye lived, and that was the whole reason he went to this area. But he just, just had such a bad attitude, <laughs> such everything. He's like... And it, he tells a story, and he's kind of funny. He's just like, if anybody, if anybody ever wants to question my ethics, <laughs> I am gonna punch him right in the mouth. Because if I've ever ever been tempted in my life to poach a deer, it was right then. Because here I am, I've got this little eighteen-inch four-point on the ground that I'm cleaning, <laughs> and Popeye walks out, and he says, "I let him walk." I was just like, "Popeye, you son of a gun!" Like so, 
So are you saying if I don't quit and I just keep pushing till the end, I'm going to kill like a 240-inch deer? Well, you don't know. <laughs> you just it's don't true. know. Oh exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, like you said, karma. The harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. I think you're giving yourself more opportunity. Right. Is what it really is, but mm-hmm. it, you, it, it all seems like this magical, mysterial, my, you know, mysterious thing. Well, and I think it comes down to your preparation in the off season. Sid, you run triathlons and you do things like that. Do you see a direct correlation in your ability to hunt longer and hunt further into the backcountry because of that training? Oh yeah, yes. Because it tri- well triathlons. I mean, if for you, I'm not. I mean, I, I don't know what how shape what shape you are in, but um, rounds of shape, a, a right? That does, <laughs> <laughs> a, a person that doesn't train for the endurance side of things, it, 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 it's, it's hard to do something like that, you know, just, just an average Joe. Um, so there's a lot of physical preparation prior. So, you, you know, a lot of the practice and, and, and learning, uh, techniques and then ultimately practicing and using that to use same thing with hunting, some of the things that we'll practice and, 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 um, you know, whether it be trail cameras or scouting and so forth. Um, but with triathlon, you know, it's, it's three, three major sports, just swimming, biking, and running. But the fourth one, a lot of people don't talk about it, is actually a bigger challenge than all three of them, and that's the mental side. Because anyone that does has done triathlon, even the, the, the gifted um, freaks, there's always, they'll always experience a test mentally. And, and if you are able to, to master that mental, um, block or where your body's saying, okay, you need to quit. This is crazy. Um, if you can get over that, that's where you're going to see your success in the race. And same thing I've found with hunting is that it, it's just little voices, little lines in the back of your head that are saying, okay, this is good. You don't, don't go any further. Um, you know, you're, you're crazy. This is, uh, you know, this is going to hurt. Uh, you don't, you're not, you don't need to do this anymore. What are you trying to prove? Who are you are trying to prove this with? You know, no one knows, needs to know that you're going to quit. You could just, you know, say that you did it and, and you'll be fine. So all those things are voices come into your mind when you're on the course and they come into hunting and, and, you know, mastering those two is really where you're going to be, find, find the strength in, in triathlon and in hunting. So how do you, overcome that mental aspect of it <laughs> is that the you secret to, to life <laughs> <laughs> tell it to shut up well there, like you, you shut up uh you gotta have you gotta have a purpose um my hardest race to date uh was the saint george half ironman which is 70.3 miles and it's just it's not a fun course it, no. it's beautiful but it's so hot, and there's, it's known to be the most challenging because of the dates and, and the well. And it's the, in uh, it's October, is it? September, October? First, first week in May. Oh, first geez. week in May. I was way off. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just it's it's a bugger. And um, I it was my first attempt at this distance, and I had never done anything that hard before. Um, and so I was nervous and scared. I didn't know if I could finish it or not. But my mother-in-law recently came down with. Um, breast cancer and uh, wasn't wasn't looking very good and um, so 
I decided, you know, I don't know if I could do this race for myself. So I made it a purpose um, that I was going to do it for her. Uh, so that that's a tactic I've, I've used in different races and, and different challenging things that I'm going to dedicate something to somebody. And that's really, I, don't, I, I probably would have quit if it wasn't for for um, doing that race for her. Um, and it meant a lot to her, it meant a lot to me, and, and it was a, a cool bonding experience that we, we shared. That's awesome. Wow. I, I uh, In my little, you know, watching motivational videos, um, they always have, you know, running motivational videos and they have, you know, people talking in the background with different highlights. And one of my favorite ones, I believe it was Joe Rogan, and he was talking with David Goggins, who I had never even heard who that was, but he's like a retired Navy SEAL who decided he's going to start running like ultra marathons and all this different stuff. But they talk about the power of the mind and, you know, Joe Rogan's like, listen, your your mind is programmed to keep you away from anything that hurts, that causes physical pain. That is how you are programmed. Your brain is the colonel. Your body is the troops. And he just talks about you just have to, you know, your brain, you, you have to say, nope, this is my goal, and I'm not stopping till I get it. And he talked about how once you tell your brain what you're going to do, it's like, okay, then let's do it. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. I'm going to recruit whatever muscle fibers I have to recruit to get to that goal. So it's always, he always talked about how, don't say, I'm going to try to run three miles today. He says, no, you know where three miles is along your route. Say, no, I'm going to run to the water tank and I'm going to get there. And when you tell your brain it doesn't have a choice, then it's going to start working in favor of you. It's like going to start being your best tool. But until that point... It's going to be your biggest enemy. Like, no, this hurts. I can't go. No, no, this really hurts. But once you say, nope, we're going to the water tank, let's go. We're going to do whatever it takes. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, oh, I, love, I, I remember that podcast. He's, that, that is amazing. Goggins is, is one of the, he, he is a huge motivation for me because it's true. I think his, his, his ability to, to use pain as an advantage to mm-hmm. to him and, and being, you know, what he's doing. What's amazing is all what he's done in running, and he even admits it on all his shows that he hates to run. Yeah, he runs yep. all the time. <laughs> well, it's crazy. So. I didn't know his whole story, and I'm listening to him, and he says, you know what, I wanted to run a 100-mile race. And he said, so I contacted the person who was over this, the Baja 100 or whatever in California, and he said, well, you have to complete a 100-mile race. He he said he weighed like two sixty five, and he never he hadn't ran more than like five miles up to this point, or it had been like a long time. So he found out that there was a race, a one hundred mile race, in two weeks from that point, and he ran a hundred miles, and he had to do it in twenty four hours, I think. And he talks yeah. about how tore up he was. You know, he completed you know, mile twenty. He talks about it like it's like it was easy. Mile 20 came and went, mile 40, and it was like a mile-long course. And, you know, he'd finish a mile, and he'd have his, like, coach there or whoever it was. I think he said it was, like, his brother-in-law. I can't even remember who it was. But he just talks about how he hit mile 70, and he said, I'm cramped up, I can't go, I can barely walk, and I still have 30 more miles to go. And then he talks about how he just dug deep. And then he finished the course 100 miles in 18 and a half hours. He still had six hours to spare. Wow. But he just said, I'm finishing it, you know, and 
oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's like me, and I and I weigh 160 pounds, right? And I feel pretty good about myself saying I'm going to go run 100 miles, and I am terrified of that of that thought. And here he was, like 260 plus, mm. and he did it. I mm, think I think my insane. facts are accurate, but I can't. But I mean, it was no, it, it was I, something crazy. I remember that part. Yeah, he talked about how he he has blood run down his leg. Yeah, everything. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just so he's not crazy. human. <laughs> so crazy. So, but yeah, you know, he's just an, a perfect example of of putting that. You know, that saying. You know, you're only using forty percent of your brain. If you could only, if you could tap into another five percent, how much more you could do. You know, oh uh, yeah, uh, it's very true. Very true. Sid, uh, had a couple questions for you back on the hunting game. Um, I I watched a video of you, uh, an elk hunt you were able to do. Talk about incredible, huh? I listened to some oh, of your cool. other podcasts, and you you talked about how you're mostly a, a mule deer guy. Um, growing up and whatnot, and then you got to go hunt elk. Tell us what that was like a little bit. Like you can just tell us briefly. You don't have to go into all the details, but oh yeah, yeah, no problem. I uh, yeah, I grew up mostly mule deer, and when we hunted elk, we always did. We always went to the same place where we hunted mule deer, and it ended up being um, spike. So like I don't know if you know where Mount Dutton is. Yeah, but mm-hmm. we that's where we would hunt elk, and it was spike, and that's. As fun as hunting a bigger bull, <laughs> but uh, when I moved up here to the UNS, and uh, it's an open bull unit, um, I was able to um, notice that you know some pretty good opportunities for elk. Oh yeah, uh, I spent a lot of time scouting, and mostly I had a mule deer tag, and and uh, uh, during the archery, did a lot of scouting, and, and uh, came across some nice elk, and. Uh, I, at that time, um, had to cut my, or put a pause on my hunt during the archery season to go to Tennessee, where I got a pair of new legs. Um, and so I went out there, got a pair of new running legs, new walking legs, new hiking legs. And uh, I came back, and uh, I had a friend that said, hey, you know, the, the rut's on, you know, let's, let's go check out a few spots. And so... Um, we, we hit a few areas and um, seen a few and, and uh, couldn't, couldn't close the distance and went to one spot where we um, we knew that there was, you know, some sign and that there's the possibility of a, uh, a bull that could be coming in from another unit into that unit. And uh, um, we just let out a bugle and he didn't respond. And so I... I tried to uh, bugle that I've been practicing with, uh, with Phelps games calls and uh, all of a sudden he just fired right back and uh, so we thought sweet so we closed the distance and and I was struggling just to hike through the sage and the rocks and the trees and downfall because I just got these new legs so I had to stop all the time and take them off and adjust them and I was like my buddies were like come on let's go let's go and I kind of hold on I I just got these freaking legs. They still have that new leg smell to them. <laughs> just give me a break for a second. You wouldn't so, understand. They, yeah, they were just videoing and laughing. And I'd fall and they'd laugh. And, and they were just cool guys. And, and I don't, you know, I had good buddies of mine. And, and uh, 
they they you know had lots loads of patients and it just was you know wasn't planned to be filmed but we just happy to bring a little camera with us and um, we closed the distance and cow called and um, something I learned from a podcast episode on the Rich Outdoors uh, um, Corey Jacobson was a tactic that we used and um, as soon as he responded back we interrupted him and, and uh, his bugle attitude just changed where it became more aggressive and and it went from you know responding to the bugle was loud and you could just hear it coming in closer within moments and uh, so we set up right then and there and leaned up against a tree and and I could just see him through the cedars uh, just bugling and I was just nervous trying to see <laughs> Pee my pants, and I, I may have peed my pants just a little bit, just a little bit <laughs> right? But not, not but, too much. And and uh, um, my buddy, he had a, a decoy to the side, and he was cow calling. And my friend had the uh, other friend had the camera, and then he was spraying urine because the world, the wind started to swirl a little bit, so he spraying urine. Uh, and that bull was just kind of circling around, and I could see him his uh, antlers above the tree line I'm like oh my gosh this is bigger than a spike <laughs> <laughs> they're intimidating so, huh <laughs> oh yeah it was it was it was pretty cool but at the same time I just like I I know buck fever I I'm pretty sure the diagnosis for buck fever is very similar to bull fever and and I just focused on that uh as soon as he you know I was I already decided I'm going to kill this bull if he ever presented opportunity and and uh I saw I saw his feet underneath the cedar line and um and I'm like, okay, he's coming in fast. And he was ducking through trees and coming around and bugling. And, and then, uh, you know, we're, you know, sitting still and he exposed himself. And I did not, I, I'd done this before with a uh, mule deer where I looked at the, the rack and just kind of, you know, you know, like a, you know, like a pretty blonde, you just kind of stare at her for a second like oh my gosh don't stare don't stare <laughs> and uh, and it's, and I did that with a deer and I missed an opportunity where I just was like oh my gosh you know it's beautiful and um so I didn't I didn't even look at the horn I, I knew he had him but I didn't want to count points see if he had any anything extra or you know do a quick score on him but being this is an open bull unit you just you any any bull in the open bull unit is a trophy in my mind but uh, uh, uh. Yeah, hello. And, and then took another shot, and then he. It, we kind of had to. We we showed that video to the public in journal on the local TV station, so we had to edit some of the the graphic side. But we, I just threw three rounds in his vitals, and he expired right there on camera. I was kind of. Kind of a cool experience. Yeah, that was an incredible video, Huge man. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, was that your first um, experience of harvesting an elk? Uh, it was my first experience harvesting uh, an elk a, that wasn't a, wasn't a bull, a, a big bull. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. if you had to choose one or the other to hunt the rest of your life, deer or elk? Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but if you had to. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, if it was just me, I, I, I love the, um, the, the fine game and the, uh, 
preparation and the scouting and watching um, watching them from a distance and knowing their routine and just to go in and making the stock on a mule deer. And if it was if it was just me solo hunting the experience, I would pick mule deer. Um, and it's just and a lot of it is what I grew up on, and, and it's just what I my eyes glue, get glued to a bigger buck than a big bull. However, the adrenaline and <laughs> the the excitement with doing it with another person, uh, it, it just can't be matched. And it, my wife, she likes to eat the elk. The kids like to eat the elk get more meat out of it so probably i would have to say elk just for, <laughs> for the sake that everyone will be happy that way <laughs> always thinking about others <laughs> yeah so same question what if you were limited to either a bow or a rifle what would you choose and why um i would say i would say um yeah. See, I haven't killed a big bull with a with a bow. Um, I highly I would say, recommend it. Yeah, I would say the. I don't know. I guess a hard one. <laughs> this is a I, tough I would question. say it 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 because of because of the uh, the solitude that you get out of bow hunting. Because it, it, there, there's times where I'm like, I, I know I, I shouldn't let it get to me, but there's times where I'm on the rifle hunt and I see just orange pumpkins all over the mountain. I was like, this is stupid. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I get, I get a little frustrated that way, but, but bow hunting is, is not so much. I would say I would, I would stick to the bow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hate the rifle hunt when there's so many blasted people on the mountain, but back to kind of the mental toughness part of it. That's where I've had to convince myself of just saying, okay, I knew there's going to be a lot of people. And obviously now the big craze is to, people hike as far as you can and people are all about getting in shape because if you're in shape i think that a lot of people believe oh i'm in shape i can that automatically guarantees me a big deer and so now i'm just like "Mm, no i think for me where my mental toughness comes into play the most especially once you're in shape is and this is where i try to beat out the other people is by out hunting them through glassing I feel mm-hmm. like not uh, not a lot of people, they'll get up high and they'll just quickly scan a canyon and head out. And it's like, nope, I'm going to be mentally stronger than them and I'm going to sit and glass this canyon for five hours. And then I'll say, okay, there's nothing in this canyon. But it's yeah. a challenge. But see, that ah, that's, oh, yeah. my, that's my biggest... I, I complain about a lot of people going, but then at the same time, I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to see your guys' looks on your face when... You hear, boom! What? What? Mm-hmm. There was a deer here. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and not only was it a deer, but it was a good-looking deer. Like, how did you see that? And it's like, mm, we may have hiked the same distance, but I am a damn better hunter than you are. <laughs> you know, just to be like, <laughs> that's all it comes down to. I had uh, the mental fortitude I, to stay behind glass longer, and you just wanted to dilly dally along the ridge tops. Shame on you. <laughs> so. I. Hey, I, I've been that guy, not not the guy that Dick makes the shot. I've been the guy that's been like, what the crap was he looking at? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. talking about oh. me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, uh, I, 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 one of the nice things about the UN is, is, is that there's not a lot of areas that you can, can get into without getting into the nastiest crap, but yeah. we've used it the last 
couple of years, we've used them, the hunters to our advantage. So like we know where everyone's going to go. We know that they're going to be elk killed, but as soon as they're killed, they go into this crap. And if you're willing to go in that crap, you're okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Learning that different, like just all the, the escape routes of deer and yep. you know, and that only comes with getting into the back country multiple times and hunting the same unit frequently. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, this deer or this unit has no deer. I'm putting in for a different area or I'm going to go hunt a different spot. And it's like, no, yeah. it's really going to take three or four years to learn it. Um, Sid, if you could pick, now obviously in Utah, you know, you get your once-in-a-lifetime hunts and, and things like that, and, and as YouTube has grown, we get a chance to see a lot of different hunts from around the world. But what would you say is your dream hunt? If you could go on a hunt this fall, what would it be? This fall? Mm. Mm. There, okay, so, hmm, that's tough. That's tough. I, I've always, I, New Zealand has always been awesome just because of, like, the tar. Oh, golly. There, that's a tough one because I want, I like everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I am, but, too. But uh, uh, I, I did turn down an Alaska um, hunt uh, with a friend this year because my dad he had 21 points on the boulder and we assumed that we were going to draw that tag, but we didn't take in consideration that there was a bunch of people that were going to transfer over to that unit and talking to the guide. That's what happened. Oh, um, so that was probably it. But honestly, if, if, if we're dealing with a hypothetical, right? Right. Hypothetical question. There's right, yeah, no uh, limits. Dream, but... dream hunt would be to go back to Mount Dutton and the hunt and, you know, mule deer out of a truck, four wheelers, horses with my grandpa who's passed away. And, you know, I, back then they, they killed a doe and we used it for, for, uh, um, camp meat. And, uh, and just that experience that got me into hunting to begin with, you know, eight, nine years old, I would say I would, that experience I missed because I, you know, a lot of my uncles and my dad's getting older and my grandpa's passed away. I would say that would be my dream hunt, just to have those experiences again. I can honestly say I've never had somebody give such an awesome answer before pertaining to that question, because <laughs> that's that that's what it's about. That's you know, cool. I feel like yeah, like like oh man, I wish I could go this place to hunt. I wish I could go this place to hunt. But when it boils down, I don't know if those places would be the same because. You don't have your big family camp. You don't have those closest to you. Yeah. And so, in fact, I'm going to bring it up again, McCade. <laughs> uh, when I had the sportsman's tag in the state of Utah to hunt mule deer, you know, everybody's like, hey, are you going to go with a guide? You should go with, you know, Doyle Moss um, hit me up and a few other outfitters. And it all boiled down to, well, okay, if if I were to use you as a guide, who do I get to bring? And they're like, one other person. And I'm like, and that's it. Like that, sorry, that's not hunting to me. And that really was the deciding factor was I wanted to experience the whole thing with my close family and friends with me, you know? And and, and I think that's what it is. It's easy to say, oh, I, I would go to Alaska. My dream hunt, you know, a doll sheep hunt seems awesome to me. Um but if I were to do that, you know, to think, well, my dad probably wouldn't be with me or, 
you know, just some some different people wouldn't be there, and it just wouldn't be the same. So your answer was awesome. I never would have <laughs> thought about that. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I was like, moose in Alaska. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's that's my dream hunt. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, Sid, we don't want to take any more of your time, but we do really appreciate the time that uh, you've spent with us tonight. I know you're a busy man. You have a lot of goals and ambitions and a family that require your attention. Um, so <laughs> thanks again for, for uh, sitting down and talking with us tonight. Oh, no problem, no problem guys. I appreciate it. I'm glad it worked out uh, that uh, we were able to find the time, fi- you know, finally and, Definitely. and get going. I, I appreciate it. Definitely. Hey, uh, so you, you're planning on doing the um, race in Salt Lake City, the 24th of July. Are you gonna do that, any? Are you gonna shoot tack at all this year? Uh, yes. Yeah. It, I guess th- this X-ray coming up Thursday will kind of determine the how my summer mm. is gonna go. But yeah, I, I'm planning on. Um, I have to go to a a, a youth conference. Um, and doing some motivational speaking out in Manti uh, the week of TAC, but um, I can get away, you know, able to shoot on Friday and maybe Saturday too. Um, awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah, I love, I love the that snowbird. Heck uh, yes, cool. Well, we're gonna be up there. Hopefully, we can meet up with you. Yeah. Then. Sweet. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be good. You guys can see me lose a bunch of arrows. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, this is my first year archery hunting, so uh, we'll I don't see know if you'll lose more than me. Yeah. I. Uh, we'll see what happens. Time to stock up. <laughs> who, who, sorry, who said that? Who's first time archery hunting? Mine, Zach's. Yeah. First first time archery hunting. Well, last year is the 4th of July around this time of year. Me and McCade were shooting my bow, and the string came apart when I was full draw, and it whipped the heck out of my out of my front arm and it kind of gave me a little PTSD kind of like, Oh my oh, gosh, no. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to draw back again. And, and then two weeks later I went down to Lake Powell to go boating and I ended up dislocating my shoulder. So then my arm was, oh, in no. a, yeah. So my arm was in a sling for a little while. So I couldn't even pull back on my restrung bow. And so last year was kind of a wash and this year's my third year of dedicated hunter. And so I'm going to give it hell. He's been, doing good. He's good. been shooting like every day. So yeah. So we'll see what yeah. happens. I'm excited. Yeah, Keith, it's my third year did Kate Hunter too. So awesome. What? what oh well, we'll talk after. <laughs> oh no, no, I don't want to know where you where you <laughs> hunt. But so. well, just just uh, you know, close to home. That's all I'll say. Close to home. <laughs> no, same, same here for me. Close to home. Awesome. Well, cool. I, I uh, look forward to meeting you, Sid, and I and I appreciate getting to know you more on on this podcast and. Um, can't wait to just kind of follow you along and, and see the, the multiple, I don't know what you say, races that you do or experiences that you have and post. What, you want me to tell them about my Instagram? <laughs> no, I was going to ask, Sid, can you tell us how, uh, people listening can find you, uh, more about you on social media? Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> Zach just barely got an Instagram, by the yes. way. He has a flip phone. Sid, so I have is... a flip phone, man, and I, you know, <laughs> they're just a lot tougher, and I'm not a very careful person, so I don't like to pay for new phones all the time. So yeah, I was gonna say, don't 
they they they're start. I heard you guys got running water out there. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. So this is hilarious. Sliced bread too. It's awesome. Side note: like this winter, Zach locked the keys in his truck, and the old man, like I'm not kidding you, like a 70 year old guy, came to unlock his truck for him. He had a smartphone. And Zach is sitting here with his flip phone. I was like, there's something wrong with this picture here. Nope, I was perfectly comfortable in my own skin. Thank you very much. You do you, man. Yeah. Well, I'm getting close. I just don't want to become addicted to it and be like these teenagers that don't know how to function without it. That's my biggest fear. No, I, yeah, it's, it, I gotta be careful. It, social media can suck you in. I refuse to do Snapchat just cause, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I've heard that's a thing. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't even keep up with Facebook or Instagram. It's like, it's too much. Right. Um, so but, you, you're, you're on Instagram though. Yeah. I, I would say, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. I don't really go on it or if you want to know what I'm doing, I don't share as much on there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't spend as much time, but. Instagram, um, I'm uh, at uh, try no feet and try spell T R I underscore no feet. That is awesome. Uh, so. Try no feet. I love it. Try There's no like feet. a little play on words too, kind of. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why don't you try no feet? Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's I like how it. I took it <laughs> when cool. I first heard it. Yeah. And do you have a YouTube channel yourself, Sid? Uh, no, it's, it's lately everyone's asking me to do that. And I'm like, I don't know how, I, 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 I'm not very good on the camera. I don't know what to say. Listen, take it from (laughs) the flip phone guy. Okay. It is weird, but, uh, you can do it. Take it one day at a time. Yep. One day at a time. (laughs) I know you guys, you guys have a good, you guys have a good thing going for you. No, I, I don't have a, 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 a YouTube channel. I mean, we're, we're doing some YouTube, um, Stuff such as you know the mountain ops thing. Um, we're working on the documentary for the marathon, um, and then one other one that we're we are planning is a uh, King's Peak climb um, with my dad and my son. No way. And um, yeah, it's it's yeah we're we just got a lot of investors in it, and um, so it's going to be pretty cool. Um, another similar not like the mountain not story we're not gonna do a duplicate but it's gonna be a motivational piece yeah dude so that's we're in awesome. the process of that looking for uh, sponsors Peak. or people that want to use product placement for that so we're, we're looking to do that this summer and that's awesome do you want to pack zach's flip phone up there uh yeah <laughs> listen it, it, <laughs> it i know we're all about shaving ounces but <laughs> you know it just actually fits in my pocket these smartphones can't even i can't even put it in my pair of wranglers I can't even do like throw hay with it. There's no way because it's just too big. <laughs> Girly phones. I have to go buy an eighty dollar Otter box just to make it tougher. Mm. Oh my god! Uh, telling you, don't get me started on this, Sid. Yeah, we better stop while we're ahead. <laughs> well, thanks again, Sid. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, Kate. Zach, you guys are you guys are okay guys. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, and uh, have yourself a good night. Okay, you as well. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the podcast with Sid. I uh, hope you'll go check out his social media pages and uh, maybe he can be an inspiration to all of you uh, as much as he's been an inspiration to us. So thanks again. Uh, real quick, I want to talk about King's Camo. 
You might be getting sick of hearing about King's Camel from us on these podcasts, but we don't get sick of talking about it. Um, I wanted to talk specifically about the XKG High Top Full Zip Hoodie. I figured we'd give you a little breakdown in all these uh, forthcoming episodes on specific uh, pieces uh, from the XKG line. So... The high top full zip hoodie is one of my favorite pieces because it's lightweight and gives you, you know, it kind of takes the chill off. Um, It's not going to keep you warm in freezing cold temperatures if you're just sitting there on a a windy ridge or something. But it's good for if you're hiking a little bit, um, just have that slight breeze hanging around, glassing um, in some just cool weather. Um, it has odor, cro- odor control technology. It's highly breathable. Has the sleeve thumb holes for when you're layering up. Um, has the attached hood, extended length in the back, so it's not pulling up when you're sitting down and moving around. Um, it has flat lock stitched seams. You can get that in the Desert Shadow, Mountain Shadow, and the new Real Tree Edge pattern that Kings has uh, partnered up with Real Tree on. And I tell you what, this I, I got this piece last year, and it honestly has become one of my just favorite pieces. It's always either on my body or in my pack because it is so lightweight and breathable. It is very uh, quick drying. I've I've worn it, you know, riding out to a a trailhead and. Then I started hiking with it on with my pack, you know, and it got all sweaty, of course. So I just would, you know, when I stopped to, to take a breather, took it off, uh, strapped it to the outside of my pack and continued on. And by the time I got to the top of the, the ridge and, and took my pack off, you know, five minutes of being up there on a windy ridge uh, after I'd been sweating up the hill, um, I was getting a little chilly. So I pulled that off and I was like, man, this might be a little wet. Threw it on. Nope. It was pretty much dry and took the took the little bite off. So um, go check this out. Um, it's a great price, uh, $89.99 on the King's website. Um, if you use the code SON at checkout, uh, that'll save you 15% off of that hoodie. So go check it out. Guys, really appreciate you again listening to the podcast, supporting us on social media, including our struggling YouTube channel right now. We haven't been putting much content on there because life's been getting crazy, but um, make sure you use our code on on kingscamo.com. It helps this podcast out, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.